Clover Hill at, at Christmas Eve. We'll have Sunday night, which is not Christmas Eve. It's the 23rd. I know it's a little confusing, but the 23rd at 6 p.m. No Sunday morning service. We'll have Sunday night, the 23rd, 6 p.m. And then Monday the 24th at 2 and 4 at this campus and 3 at the Mosley campus. So if you'll invite your friends, it's always, we're going to, great worship. We're going to celebrate Celebrate Jesus. We're going to effectively communicate the gospel. If you have friends that don't know the Lord, it's a great opportunity for them to come. I, I mean, every Christmas season, I think of J.D. Jones, who probably about 13 years ago, maybe longer than that, 15 years ago, came to a Christmas Eve service, not living for the Lord, not serving Jesus, nothing wanting to do with him, but on that night, surrendered his heart to Christ and has never been the same. Family never been the same. So I, I, that's what I'm praying for your friends, for your loved ones, for your husband. He might not come on a Sunday morning, but he, I think he'll come with you to Christmas Eve. So uh, let's do that. There's some other things coming up as well. I want to get, hey, and just welcome back. Did you enjoy the blizzard of 18 and you've shoveled out? Man, what a, what a mess. I don't need another drop of snow the rest. Uh, we had the DSS Christmas party on Friday night. And what an honor it is to, to just celebrate and serve the foster care community. We had about 150 people that were a part of that community, loved on them, shared Jesus with them, blessed them with all kind of gifts. And then at the end of the night, we always have snow, like comes down from the ceiling. I'm like, cut the snow, man. We don't want no snow. We don't want it inside. We don't want it outside. Done with snow. Can, it, can anybody agree, amen to that? Or yeah, a couple of you. So, so you that are praying for snow, we're going to see who's more spiritual. Us that pray against it, or that you that pray, pray for it. But, but Christmas is at Clover is coming up. And then tonight, for everybody that didn't get to come to one of our legacy gatherings, we're going to meet here. It was supposed to be last week, postponed it to this week. We're going to meet here at 6 p.m. And I just need to share with you some important stuff, uh, an update on the Grace Home, our relationship with them, the transitional house. I want to talk to you about... Uh, uh, the Mosley property, the Bailey Bridge campus pastor. There's just some important things that I want to talk to the family about. So if Clover Hill is your home, this is your church, I would love for you to come out. Take about an hour, and uh, I, I think it'll be some info that you want to hear. And then one other thing before I get into this morning's message, uh, we start off every year with 21 days of fasting and prayer. Say fasting and prayer, will you? We take the first 21, this, this year it'll be the 6th through the 26th, and we just try to set it aside to consecrate, to dedicate, to realign, to repurpose, to get, to really reset. Just see, you know, sometimes you just got to hit reset. And after Christmas season, family coming in, the craziness of the time, we just want to hit reset. And we want to start the first of the year by saying, God, you're first. God, you, you, you're, you're the most important thing in our lives. And we, and we set fasting to it. And so I want to encourage you. Here's, here's a, here, may, let me give you this illustration. Uh, back in, in, in the older days and the old times, wannabe Native American warriors, there was a particular tribe that if they wanted to be a warrior, they had to make a, just a real hard journey up a mountain. And the mountain was steep, and it was hard, and it was rocky. And the altitude, the higher you got, the, the breath was harder to breathe. But when you got to the top of the mountain, the, the, the sight was amazing. I, I mean, it was exhilarating, the, the beauty of God's creation. What you saw was incomparable to, what, to anything you'd ever seen before. And, and you'd have to come back to the chief, and the chief would ask you what you saw. That's the only way he would know if you got to the mount, top of the mountain. 
Some people would come out, they'd get halfway, and they'd tell the chief, no, you didn't get to the top. But if you got to the top, you were able to describe what you saw. Fasting is a lot of like, it's, it's sometimes, I don't know if it's, if, I don't, I, this is the best way I can explain it. It's like climbing the mountain. It's, it's difficult. It's, it's challenging. It's, 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 it's submitting your body. It's, it's pushing back from the table. But it's wanting to get to a place where you can see things that you've never seen before. Like, God, God I'm going to push back so, so you, you open my eyes so I can see a greater glimpse of your grace, a greater manifestation of your power, a new dimension of your character, a clear revelation of your purpose, a greater awareness of your presence. It, there's something about fasting that is scattered all throughout Scripture that is expected and, 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 and encouraged by Scripture. Jesus fasted, Ezra fasted, the early church fasted, just about every biblical character, they they set aside times for fasting and prayer. And we're going to do that the 6th through the 26th. There will be resources on our website. If you're new to fasting, you can click on and you can learn about. There'll be sermons. There'll be books you can read. There'll There'll be devotions that you can look at. Begin. Some people like will fast the first three days and then maybe go on a Daniel fast. Or, you know, I don't know. Again, I'm not the Holy Spirit. You ask the Lord. Some people just want to fast lunch. Some people will only eat between, like, sun up to sundown. And I don't know. Whatever you choose. Like, I, I really feel led this year to, to fast food, obviously, but also to push TV aside. Even sports in Jesus' name. Which, that might be, it might be easier to fast food than because it's like NCAA basketball season right now, and that's like the best time. Uh, everybody knows that, right? It's like the best time of the year anyway. And so I just, I, I just want you to pray about what the Lord would have you to do. We're going to have morning prayer on weekdays from 7 to 8 right here. Still believing for 120 people to come. We're just going to go after God together corporately. We're going to worship. I'll have a short devotion. We'll spend the majority of the time in prayer. And then I want to encourage you with a resource. And I do this periodically, but there's a book that I just read called Killing Kryptonite by John Bevere. And I would love, I think it would kind of get us maybe all on the same page if you would pick this up in the next little bit and read it during the month of January. And it's just, it's, kryptonite is sin, and, and it's really getting sin out of your life and out of the church so that God can do what he wants to do. So Killing Kryptonite by John Bevere. Let's, we'll have Wednesday night services on the, uh, the dates will be uh, the 9th, the 16th, and the 23rd. And so uh, let, we're going to make it a great time. Good? Everybody? You got it? You'll be praying about what the Lord would have you to do. Here, here's, let, let's go in today. So today is, uh, is Legacy Sunday. And we have, uh, I've been preparing you for this for the last several weeks through uh, At The Movies. Did you enjoy At The Movies? Like, like some people even were asking me today, you're not preaching, are you, Pastor? We're seeing another movie. No, I'm preaching. I'm preaching. So all you people that just thought you were coming to see a movie, you got to see, yeah, you'd rather see a movie. But, but uh, uh, I've been preparing you for this, and we have two projects that we've set aside to invest in. And one is, is Jason Furrow, who has a ministry to orphans in Honduras. They, I think I said in an earlier video they have four homes with 40 kids, and I was misspoken. They have three homes with 30 kids. And these homes are not like group homes where, like, 
where like different workers come in throughout the day. They're like homes with a lot of kids. And there's one, one mom and one dad that raises these 10 kids. There's one girl in the home that's 12 years old that has, that has a baby with her because of a perverted father. That's the kind of kids that Jason is bringing on. And, and their goal is, their dream is to become self-sufficient. Where right, like right now, Jason has to come home to the States every now and then to share the vision and share his heart to raise money so he can go back. They, they want to be self-sustained by, they plant their own food. They, they, uh, the, the parents obviously have jobs where they can work and help provide. But then also they want to buy a fishing boat. Right now they rent a boat. They catch 100 pounds of fish a week, which feed the kids, and also where they can sell at the market to generate some income. And so Jason asked, we're a strong partner with him. We've sent multiple missions teams to him. He's just, I mean, he, he's, he, you, if you don't know him, he's just the real deal. He's genuine. He's authentic. He loves Jesus. He loves kids. He's called to this ministry, and he's doing a, a, a powerful work in Honduras. And he said, Pastor, could you help us buy a boat for $6,500? With that boat, we could, we could use it as our own, and, and, and I think it'll really go a long way in helping us get self-sustained. And so, you know, I've been saying a parable, you give a man a fish and he'll eat for a day. But if you give a motivated missionary a boat, he'll catch 100 pounds of fish a week to help feed 30 kids, clothe and educate them for a lifetime. And so today's offering at the end of the service, 6,500 will go to buy... Jason Furrow and, and this, for, uh, I think it's Give Hope to Kids Ministry, a boat. Let, let's, they, let's get him a boat. Don't you want to be a part of that? Don't you want to put your resources together? Here's, here's what the Bible, it, told, it tells me as a pastor, because Paul was talking to Timothy, a young pastor. Paul was Timothy's mentor. He was like his hero in the faith. He was like his overseer. And he said, hey, Timothy, and I, I, I take this like personally to me. Hey, Stan, command those who are rich in this present world, and that's us, we're, we're rich, not to be arrogant, like look what I've done, look what I've accomplished, look, 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 look what I've gathered and what, I, what I've stored up, nor to put their hope in wealth, because you know wealth can come and wealth can go, because uh, Paul says, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. I think Paul puts that in there where it's like, God, you know, there's only one person that God asked to give everything away, and that was that rich young ruler, and that was an issue of his heart. He's not asking you to give everything away, but he is asking you to use your money, to tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and give generously to those in need, always being ready to share with others. See, I feel like that's a command from the Lord that I am periodically to express to the congregation that, that let's be generous, let's share, let, let's honor. God's blessed us. He's made us rich so that we can be a blessing. I, I, I want this week to be able to send a $6,500 check to Jason Furrow and say, Jason, go get the boat, and, and, and Clover Hill wants to bless you with that. An- amen? Another thing is, is we are involved with Oasis Church. This year we are planning our third church in seven years. Seven years ago we planted Destination Church because where you're going matters. Destination Today has their own facility. They'll be in three services. They'll have 2,000 people this morning. They are, they are seeing lost people come to Jesus. They are seeing uh, uh, people that, 
that they're seeing people delivered and finding their purpose and making a difference. The Colonial Heights area is better because of Destination Church. And Destination Church is, it was made possible. Obviously, I don't, I'm not taking God out of the equation. It's a God thing. But on, it's really on the back of the generosity of Clover Hill Church. We, 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 we were so vital, and instru- Pastor Brian would tell you that, so vital and instrumental in getting that thing launched. Two years ago, we started United Church, which meets in Huguenot High School. It's in the Forest Hill Corridor. They are now 130 strong. They are connecting people to God. They're making a difference in their community. Again, Adam Martina would say, I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I mean, don't take God. It's all God. You know that. It's all God. But God used us to help them launch. And they're, they're a life-giving church in that community. And next August, uh, next September of 19, we will plant our third which is Oasis Church, pastored by one of our own kids, Nate and Anna Clark. Both of them uh, uh, grew up in the church. Nate's been here. for. I wanted, Nate, you come and help me tell your story. I don't want to tell, tell it for them, but, but this is Nate the Great, and, and he is, he, he, he's, get, he's ready. He's, he's, you've heard him preach, but Nate, let me ask you a couple questions, and then you can, what you feel is important to share. But what brought you to this place? Why Oasis Church? Why in the fall? Why now? Why here? Why this? Yeah, so um, good morning. Morning. Um, Me and Anna first started attending Clover Hill. It's been over 10 years now. Um, And we came here as teenagers. And uh, and here in the youth group, that's where we first uh, experienced God. And and we felt the call to ministry as teenagers both together. Uh, We we were actually ended up dating because of Pastor Eric. (laughs) Thank you, Pastor Eric. And, um, and so, so here, here was where we, like, we kind of found our way, and we found our calling here, and uh, yourself, and Pastor Eric, and Pastor Trevor, and just entire team, really, uh, for the last 10 years, has taken us under, you, you know, your wing, and believed in us, and uh, breathed life into us, and, uh, and so we, we, because of that, we just fell in love with the local church, and we, where we found our life, and our calling, and community was in the local church, and so when we felt the call to ministry as teenagers, we said, what we want to do with our life is give it to the local church, and, and so we knew what we wanted to do one day was, was do that, and uh, I remember about eight years ago, we were driving, me and you were driving in your old black Jeep, <laughs> and uh, we were pulling out of Chick-fil-A. Missed that thing. Yeah, we, no, were was great. Yeah, we were at Chick-fil-A. Imagine that. I know. <laughs> uh, we were pulling out of Chick-fil-A right there on Hall Street, and, uh, and just sharing with you about this burden for us to to plant a church one day. Again, this was eight years ago. We didn't know when or where, but we just said, man, this is what we want to do. And, and, uh, and your first words were like, hey, we want to help. Like, we want to be behind you guys. We want to help send you guys. And so, and so we've just been on a journey over the last 10 years, eight years, to, 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 to see, God, where would it be? And when would you have us do that? And uh, over the last year, we felt God has so clearly showed us that the time is now and that, and that the city is Richmond. So here we are. That's awesome. Share kind of your vision, your hope, your dreams for Oasis. Yeah. Paint a picture. Yeah. So a book came out a few years ago by a guy named James Emery White. And he's a pastor and a president of a seminary. And he, re- he put this book together about religious affiliation in America. And um, the book is called The Rise of the Nuns. Nun being N-O-N-E. None as in nothing. And he said over the last Like no years, relationship with Christ. N- nothing. And like so no the whole understanding premise. understanding of God. Right. Yeah. The whole premise of the book was throughout all the 1900s, it was typical in America 
if you asked someone what they were religiously, they had an answer for it. Whether it was Christian or Baptist or Catholic or whatever it was, they had an answer. The people that didn't have an answer said I was nothing was less than 5% for 100 years. And in the last two decades, what's happened in America faster than ever is the fastest growing religious group is the group called the nuns. Where if you ask them what they are, what they believe, their answer is nothing. I don't believe anything, and I'm fine with it, and I don't care. It's nothing. And so that, that group has quadrupled in the last decade, particularly in urban populations in America. And so the last two years, my wife has been in school at VCU, so we've been down in the city more and been around there more. And we've just seen, we just, we've seen it. You know, everyone we talk to, everyone we sit down with, her classmates and teachers, it's who, who are you and what do you believe? The answer is got nothing and so our burden was for those people that they would uh, that they would see Jesus and what's great is it sounds it sounds discouraging sounds discouraging but it's it to us it's encouraging because we're saying I mean there's a bigger opportunity now than ever yeah and so and so we've seen that and our goal for Oasis Church is to help people see Jesus clearly because we believe those people have said no to Jesus because they haven't seen him clearly And so our church wants to be the church that helps people in Richmond see Jesus That's clearly. good. That's very good. Awesome. Sorry for crying, man. Good. You can, you can see why we want to get behind uh, Nate and Anna. And, and the cost of a startup church is it's, it's several hundreds of thousands of dollars to get the equipment, to get on the right track. When we started Clover Hill, they gave us 1000 bucks, 11 people, and said, go get them, Tiger. And... <laughs> And it took us five years to get to 100 people. And, and I'm grateful for those five years. I'm grateful for just the training. There's something to say about that. But I don't want anybody to have to go through what we went through as a young couple, the struggle, the challenge, the difficulty. I want to help guys, especially, especially guys like this, couples like this, that are well-grounded and have that heart and have that burden. I want to propel them. I want to launch them. I want to, I want to be, you know what, Clover, I want to be like a slingshot where we put these young people in that, in that sling. You, you know, just kind of picture it like it's the slingshot's held up by two, two telephone poles. And I just want to pull back on that slingshot and let them go in Jesus' name and propel them into a destiny and a preferred future that, that's so God-sized and so God-big that, that, that it's like only God can do it. And, and, and Oasis, I mean, he's going to make it without us because God's going to build his church. But I, I don't, I don't want to miss this opportunity. I don't want to miss the, the opportunity to sow into that ministry and to launch these guys big. And so at the end of the service, we're going to pray. That's going to be the two. That's where, so there's like what you give today doesn't give to this next offering, doesn't, give to, doesn't go to Clover Hill. It goes to Jason, Jason Furrow, and it goes to uh, Oasis Church to, to launch that. But I, I just want to, just for a few minutes, I want to talk to you about the church and, and the importance of the local church. And, and, and I... I, I love the church. I grew up in the church. I've shared this before. I was, I was prepared for spiritual birth in the church. I mean, the church was, was, just, was, just, it was just everything to me. We, the ch- we set our calendar around church. It, it was like Sunday and then everything else. And then Wednesday was like midweek boost, and we had to be there. And then every, it wasn't like, well, I'll try to fit church in. It was no, no, it's church. And then whatever, whatever anything else is going on, we'll align it or we'll prioritize it after that. 
what, what, just, you know, I grew up, my grandfather was a preacher, so when he was pastoring close to us, we would always attend his church. And it was usually little country churches, not a lot of people. And, and, uh, but just, just a real, there was just vibrancy. There was just, again, there was just life. It, it was what carried us. It was what helped. They used to teach on flannel graphs when we were in kids' church or in Sunday school. Anybody remember flannel graphs? It's like a board, and they had these little... Uh, cut out people, and you would take these people and you'd stick them on the board. Nothing like what we got now. I mean, and you young people are like, what? What are you even talking about? But you would put these little people on the board, and then you would tell the story so that the kids would have something to see. And like, the church didn't have a lot of money, and they were using the same flannel graph from years. And so, like Rahab, the, the prostitute who helped the Israelites, was, was the lady one week. And then Delilah, who deceived Samson, same lady, but she was a different person the next week. And then Mary, the mother of Jesus, was the next week. It was very confusing for a young kid, but, but it just, you know, it was like, wow, that woman's she's something. And, and, but it was just, I, I remember going to church on, on, like, Sunday night. You know, you'd think, well, Sunday night, you don't go to church. Yes, yeah, Sunday night, we'd go to church, and they would have the, 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 just the, we, we call it the, well, I call it the Holy Ghost car wash because it would be like a line of leaders. Anybody remember? It's like a tunnel. You'd make a tunnel. You remember this, Bo? You'd make a tunnel, and you'd walk through the tunnel, and they'd make you walk real slow. They'd get all the youth together, and, and you'd walk real slow. And I call it the Holy Ghost car wash because they'd spit on you, not like, pfft, but like they're praying. They're praying so passionately, and it's just flowing, man. And they're, they're laying hands on you and slapping you, and you're walking slowly through this, through this, through this car wash, just getting prayed over and blessed. And, and you know, it, it was just, you might say, that's kind of weird. No, it was amazing. It was like, man, I, I've never felt anything like, like this is significant. Like this is making a difference in my life. And then we'd, we'd end almost every service with, with this song, I Hear the Sound. I, I don't want to sing it. I was going to sing it, but I'm not going to sing it. But I hear the sound of the army of the Lord, and we just kind of march. And I mean, it was just, it was just powerful. It was just, it was just the church. It was, it was what our life centered around, and and it's what got us through. And 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 I, I just concur with Nate. Not only this generation of the nuns, but church has become just like secondary in our life. And I'm I'm telling you today, the local church is not lost. It's it's. I don't know, it's probably lost its power because, because maybe, maybe this 21 days of prayer and fasting is what we need more than anything right now. Maybe it's lost a little bit of its influence, but it's not lost the God-ordained destiny, the stamp that God wants it to do. It's still in the heart of God that he will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I know, I know not everybody thinks the church like I do. Like, like some are disillusioned and disappointed and have even disengaged from the church and are watching it online and, and that's all they do and, and have podcasts and they just do their own worship. And, and I, I, I don't understand that, but I, maybe I understand the reasons for that. Many people are saying, well, the church is just man-made. You cannot look at Scripture with one eye shut and conclude that the church was a man-made thing. It is God-ordained. It is God-planned. It was God's purpose. Most of the epistles were written to local churches. The church, the, the book of Corinthians was written to the church of Corinth. 
The book of Galatians was written to the church of Galatia. The book of Philippians, the church at Philippi. The book of Revelation was written to the seven churches. The book of Acts is a history and a, it's an it's a, it's a insight into the life of the early church. There's the universal church, which isn't Methodist or Episcopal or Pentecostal or Baptist. It's everybody that's put their faith in Jesus Christ that has made Jesus their Lord and Savior. They're part of the universal church. There's also the local church where you plug in, where you use your gift, where you give your resources, where you, where you come together corporately to, to worship and bless, where you come under accountability, where you, where you are inspired and encouraged, where you're brought sometimes to conviction, when you're encouraged with, to show compassion. It's, it's the local church that, 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 that's vital. And I don't think I need to tell you this. You're here this morning. But I, I need to just remind you today. Here's what many, they don't, they're not certain who wrote the book of Hebrews. Many, most have concluded that Paul wrote it. But, it, but whoever wrote it said this, and it's a command. A command is for your protection, for your benefit, and for the good of the kingdom. Listen, a command, anytime you see a command in scripture, it's for your benefit. It's not for a killjoy. It's not to give you another thing. It's not to lay on you a burden. It's for your protection. It's for your benefit. It's for the good of the kingdom. Let us not give up meeting together. And, and the church is... To keep up with the culture, the church does change. And I'm, I'm not saying we go back to the church that I grew up in. We've got to change with the culture. We've got to be relevant. We've got to be real. We, we've got to be missionaries in, in our culture. But it does not negate the fact that we have to meet together. We've got to come together on a regular basis as the people of God. That's not a want to. That's not, God, I, I, I just pray, I wish you do that. No, that's a command from God. Don't quit as some are in the habit of doing. But am I yelling? I haven't preached. I haven't preached live in like five weeks. So I got a lot in me. So encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. The first symptom of spiritual decline is usually inconsistent church attendance. It's like, it's like an, an animal, a zebra, I'll just use a zebra. It's like a zebra getting away from the pack. When you get away from the pack, here's what Satan loves. He loves for you to be detached. He, lives, he loves for you to be unplugged from the, from the life of the body, to be isolated from God's family, to be unaccountable to spiritual leaders. Because he knows that if we are defense, if we're like that, we're defenseless and powerless against his tactics. I've never, I've never seen a strong believer disconnected from, from the life of the local church. I've never, the church is so significant that Jesus, when he was describing the relationship with husband and wife, he said, husband, love your wife as Christ loved the what? The church and gave his life for it. He, he loved it. I mean, that's what he died for. That's, that's what he's coming back for. He's coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. You were called not to just believe, but you were called to belong. While your relationship with Christ is personal, it was never meant to be lived out in private. The church is for your protection. The church is for your benefit. 
You need the accountability. You need the relationships. You need the worship experience. You need the teaching. You need the community. You need the ministry to excel in your walk with Christ. The church, when it's working right, it gives you a purpose to live for, people to live with, principles to live by, a profession to live out, and a power to live on. Psalms 92 says, they that are planted, that are rooted, that are grounded in the church, they will flourish. There's something as flawed and as, and as messed up as the church is. It's still the, the plan of God to equip and to, and to create a movement of people that will be passionate about his presence and about his purpose. The, the church is... Is a command. It's as a command. It's good for the kingdom of God. If you're here today, you're listening online, and if you have a morsel, of, a tiny bit, a seed of faith in Jesus Christ, you can probably trace that back to the mission of the local church. Like, like there's very few people who God have just showed up in their lives and said, "Hey, I'm God. You need Jesus. Surrender your life to me." And I'm sure it happens, but that's the exception, not the norm. The norm is that the ministry of the local church and somehow maybe maybe a little bit further than most, but closer to some. But the mission of the church has been like like here's my story. You go back to my great grandfather, my grandfather, my grandfather, uh, Curtis Grant, who was the son of a sharecropper. In, in, in uh, my dad often says L.A., lower Alabama, and they grew up very poor. At, at 14 years old, he had to quit school, and he went and worked in a, in a cotton mill making dollars a day to give to help support his, his five siblings. Well, his mom died at an early age, and, and the family was just a little, just a little bit. The, my grand, great-grandfather, Charlie, was just kind of a, he was a mean dude, little dude, but, but very very mean, drank a lot, just a mean guy. And at 17 years old, my grandfather went to a, to a revival meeting sponsored by a local church and came out of this ungodly family, real no knowledge of God, and he walks into this tent revival and he hears the preaching and he experiences the worship and he surrenders his life to Jesus Christ. And he goes back to his family and, and his dad really persecuted him. But through his life, the other four siblings came to know Jesus. And they all became grafted in to the local church. And they plugged their lives into the local church. And my grandfather had five kids. And, and all five of those kids are serving God in the local church. Love Jesus are, are again, a result of a grandfather that found Christ at a church meeting. And those five kids who the oldest was my dad, who had two kids and grew me up in the church. And now I'm, you, you see what I'm saying? Now I'm a byproduct of a grandfather that met Jesus at a local church. And, and now I've got four kids and they're growing up in the church. And in a few months, I'm going to have a, I'm going to have a grandbaby and that grandbaby is going to grow up in the church. And, and because 70, 80 years ago, a church opened its door to some people, and my grandfather went in. He was saved and born again, and it's still changing lives generations later. That's the power of the local church. That's the blessing of the local church. Say, well, it's, it's not made man-made. Man it's God-ordained. It's his idea. It's his plan. I will build my church 
Well, you say the church is messed up. My shirt is. You're in it. (laughs) I'm in it. It's messed up. It's jacked for you young people. It's jacked up. People are, are wacky. Community is messy. Listen to me. Look at me. People sin. Leaders fail. The church that I grew up in, that was so influential to me, the worship leader ran off with it. He was a man. Ran off with another man. The, the youth pastor and the pastor had ongoing conflict that kind of spilled over into the congregation. The board was controlling, but yet in spite of its lack, it still was, was what molded and shaped and helped me. Some people say, well, the, the, because of its messiness and because of its fallenness, that that, that gives me the right to, to kick back. And I'm saying, man, it ought to It ought to give you greater faith in God. God could have done it any way he wanted to. But he chose people. He chose you and me, fallible, messed up, screwed up people to be a part and purpose with him, to bring redemption to a lost world. The, The church and its messiness should not distract you from God's good. It ought to be, it ought to be a greater illustration of the mercy and the grace. Of Jesus Christ. The, the church, and then, you know, I say this all the time. People tell me, well, the church is just full of hypocrites. Well, well it's got room for one more. So come on. <laughs> Join us. We're just, I mean, we're, we're just saved by grace and God's goodness. Amen, everybody. We're, we all got issues. And if you don't have issues, you don't think you got an issue, that's your issue. We, we're fellow strugglers. That's why we need each other. We're, we can't, we, we're not good enough to be on an island by ourselves. We need, we need one another. Yet when the church is on its mission, it's fulfilling its purpose, it's the hope of the world. It's, it's, and I've said it, but it, it's the hope of the world. And can it, when we're, what is the mission of the church? It's the ministry, it's ministry unto God. That's why the psalmist said, hey, come, magnify the Lord with me. Let's exalt the name of the Lord together. Magnify. You ever use the magnifying glass? It makes everything big. Well, you know what worship is? Collective worship when we come together. The goal is to to put a magnifying. The worship's not for you. It's for God. I didn't like the song this morning. I don't like the pace. I don't like this. I don't like that. It's not about you. It's about God. It's not about you liking it. It's about blessing Jesus and honoring his name and magnifying him. Oh, come, let's magnify the name of the Lord together. Let's exalt and praise his holy name. We are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation who have been called out of darkness and into his marvelous light that we might declare the praises and the goodness and the grace of God. It's ministry unto God. It's ministry unto believers. I hope you come to church and you're encouraged and you're inspired and you're motivated and you're equipped and you're, by the presence and the power of God, 
You're transformed. I hope you come to church and you remember and you realize that whatever your problem you're going through, it has a problem. And it's saying the problem is Jesus. If you're sick today, your sickness has a problem. It's the name of Jesus. If you're, if you're depressed today, your depression has a problem. And it's the name of Jesus. It is the glory and the lift of your head. I hope you come to the house of the Lord to magnify God and to be encouraged and inspired. But it doesn't stop there. The ministry of the church is ministry under God. It's ministry for the believers, but it's ultimately ministry to the world. It's to reach, to, 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 to come alongside, to make a difference in a lost and dying world. The, even the church, it means ecclesia. It's not a, it's a, the word means congregation, but even a better definition is movement. The church is not a building. It's not a location. It's not a time. The church is the people that gather together for the purposes of God and then are launched out to be the church in their particular setting, to be the church at school, to be the church at their workplace, to be the church of their community, to be, let's be the church. Amen, everybody? Let's be the church to reveal God's grace and to show God's love and to share God's word and to offer God's hope. We're 21 years in, Clover Hill is. We're, here's, here's, here's my encouragement. Here, if you're visiting today, I'm so glad you're here, and I hope you can get something out of this. But, but this is kind of, you know, sometimes you just get your family together, and you, you just have a family talk. This is kind of what this is. You know, you know what, for the family, here's, here's what we need to do. Let's lay aside our personal preferences, and let's rally around God's purposes. Let me say that again. Let's set down our personal preferences because it's bigger than you and let's rally around the purposes of God that none shall perish let's fight for unity let's keep the peace let's pray for a greater outpouring of God's spirit let's let's serve support and stand up for the local church I, I gotta close my heart breaks when I see postings and writings on Facebook and, and other social media avenues where it's bashing and slamming the local church. And Clover Hills, we, we've got our share of bashing for whatever reason. I just, I want you to know this. The local church is the bride of Christ. Listen to me, it's like, it's like me. This is if I. It's like this is what when you bash the local church. It's like this, Alan. I love you, but I can't stand Linda. Man, I'll do anything for you, but Linda, I don't even want to be around her. And like I post bad things about Linda on Facebook and tell how bad she is. I mean, Alan's not going to go for that. He don't want to be my friend. When we bash, when we discredit, when we make light of, when we talk about the local church, it, how can you say I love Jesus but I hate your bride? You can't do it. And I'm telling you, I'm not just talking about our church. I'm talking about every church. If they lift up the name of Jesus, they're on our team. We don't need to talk bad about them. We're not in competition with them. We're on the same team. We are, we're the universal church. Let's lift up. Let's build up. Let's be a part. Let's quit. Let's quit using social media as an opportunity to share our thoughts, kind of hidden and in secret. Let, let's, let's, be, let's be the church. Let's be the church. Let's minister unto God. Let's give him our best. Let's encourage one another. Let's give grace, not grief. Let's, come on, man, let's reach this world. 
There's more battles. There's more spiritual battles to fight. There's more families to win. There's more kids to influence. There's more marriages to restore. There's more addictions to overcome. There's more ground to take. There's more churches to plant. There's more ministries to support. By the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, let's leave a legacy. Let's leave a wake of changed lives and transformed hearts. Amen, everybody. Stand to your feet with me, will you?